I do not have a laptop today, nor will I have a laptop for the next two or three weeks, probably three, because it's getting repaired. A keyboard problem. End kept going in and in and in every time I hit it, so it made writing stuff hard. So I got it fixed. Anyway, we're going to be going old school today. I actually have a, a journal here with actual written notes, and I'm going to try my best to read my own writing uh, so that uh, you guys can can uh, understand some things. So this is that message that we do uh, every year about going into our fasting and prayer time. For some of you today, it may be the first that you've heard of actual fasting in this context. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat that I'm not talking about a solely a complete, you don't eat anything for 21 days. We don't do that. Uh, some of you might be moved to try to do that. And if you are, I just want to tell you, go get a checkup first. Let, let your doctor help you. Uh, because we're all well fed around here and subjecting yourself to that kind of an abrupt change could be, I don't think you'd be focusing on God very long. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and you're not Jesus, so it might be difficult. Uh, there are steps you can take to prepare for a fast like that uh, for an extended period of time with no food, but this isn't one of those. This is, though, a time of fasting. Um, and I just today I just want to talk about, in addition to some of the nuts and bolts of, of fasting and how we go about doing it, I guess I want to answer the question is, why do we fast why do we why do we do that why 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 do we mess with such a thing like that because after all isn't that old school stuff we don't need to do that kind of thing anymore let me read a story to you it's going to be in your very first day of your book if you decide to go through the study with us uh, of seeking him experiencing the joy of personal revival covers different but it's the same material listen to this story This gentleman writes, I was a man who truly had everything I ever wanted. A beautiful family, lovely home, several successful business ventures, and respect in my community and church. Like the foolish rich man in the parable Jesus told, my barns were full and overflowing, and I felt pretty good. I certainly didn't see any need for revival in my life. But God knew my true condition, and he loved me enough to do something about it. I attended an extended series of special revival services held at my church. Through the Bible teaching, God began to show me how, how blind and spiritually bankrupt I was. I was being confronted with truth from God's word, and the Holy Spirit was convicting me. I found this very uncomfortable. Of course you would. That's what happens. In fact, when I had to go on a business trip for three days in the middle of the crusade, I was relieved. I thought I was going to get away from the Lord, but wouldn't you know, the Spirit of God went right along with me. Those were three miserable days of conviction. The next Sunday morning, the speaker shared the Bible story of Naaman, the commander-in-chief of the Syrian army. He was a wealthy leader who had it all together, except that he had leprosy. Naaman wanted to be healed, but he didn't want to do it God's way. So he approached it the way I would have. He loaded up 600 shekels of gold and 10 talents of silver and went down to buy his way out of his problem. Right in the middle of the story, God's Spirit said to me, You're just like Naaman. 
You've got spiritual leprosy and you need to be healed. You can be restored, but you're going to have to do it my way. I realized that I was proud, rebellious, ungrateful, and unyielded. I fell on my knees and cried out to God as best as I knew how. Asking what he wanted me to do in my heart, I heard him say, I want two things. These are big. Submission and obedience. Those were strange words to me. But I put myself at his mercy, confessed my sin, and repented. God slowly showed me that I was trying to hang on to all the things I was accumulating instead of trusting him to provide for us. He began to deal with me about my business and financial affairs, which resulted in a freeing, radical change of values for my family. That's day one. This book hits like a hammer, so be prepared. Why do we fast then? What we can pray, we can go to crusades, we can come to meetings, but when we fast, there's something that we're doing. In essence, when we fast, we are afflicting our soul, is what we're doing, on purpose. All of us are like magnets, if you want to use the analogy. Fresh, clean magnets starting off the year, or fresh yellow sponges like you use on cars when you try to wash them. And then with use, they get stuff stuck to them, and they get full of gunk, until finally the magnet doesn't really hold on to anything anymore because there's so much trying to hang on to it. And the sponge doesn't really leave anything clean because it's so full of debris itself. We're like that. We're people. We attract junk. We eat bad. We think bad. We act bad. We do bad. We become bad. That's what we do. The world pushes in all the time. It never lets up. You watch those old World War II movies in the submarine and they'll have a depth charge go off and there'll be a and there'll be a water just trying to shoot in on them and you realize their biggest enemy isn't really what's above it's that ocean that's always got them surrounded with pressure trying to penetrate trying to find a way in and that's what we live like so when we fast we fast to afflict our soul it loves to be comfortable the reason, why emo- the reason why anybody refuses to fast is because they simply don't want to be uncomfortable. Because the first thing you think is, you mean I can't have something I want? Yeah, you can't have something you want. It's like going to be a boxer and say, why did he hit me? Because you're in a ring. And, and when we take on fasting and prayer to seek God, we're afflicting our soul and the flesh is going to rise up and is going to try to knock us out on day one. You're going to do okay until about noon. <laughs> or, for you real go-getters, Friday. If you can, when Friday comes, because, you know, let's go out and get something. Oh, I can't. Can't go to anywhere and have anything. Because I'm fasting. And, Anything that's on your mind at that point is God, but your flesh is screaming at you, pay attention to me. Give me what I want. Let's think badly again. Let's feast upon drama. 
Let's just be as wicked as we can. <laughs> so, the reason we fast, again, is that we, we fast to afflict ourselves. I, I have a verse I want to share with you. It's in Psalm 35, in verse 13. It's a segment of a psalm that David wrote. And as you know, David was... Boy, when he first became king, or when he was leading up to him becoming king, he had been anointed, but then, you know, Saul was still alive, and there was a lot of things going on, and people were accusing him of this and accusing him of that, and he was just trying to honor God. But he said something in a verse in Psalm 35, verse 13. Depending on your translation, it may say something. It may use humble. It may use the word afflict. But I'm going to use the word afflict because in the Hebrew, that's what it means. He writes in verse 13, my clothing was sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. He wore sackcloth. Now, in the, in the Hebrew mindset to, to these people, when they wore sackcloth, that was part of their fasting. You wouldn't even think, if I said, we're going to fast and wear sackcloth for 21 days, you'd be like, you're by yourself. Okay. <laughs> But the whole point of the sackcloth was to make them uncomfortable. We, we know when we get into Catholicism, when you had the monks, they would wear those rough robes and ropes and they wouldn't you know, tire it to hold their stuff together and, and they wouldn't really sleep on mattresses. They did stuff intentionally to afflict themselves constantly. They, they really robbed it of what the point was supposed to be, right? But when, the, when David did that, he was saying, I'm in trouble, I'm surrounded by enemies, it's pressing in on me. I need to afflict my soul because what I need is God. So there's a connection to affliction. When we afflict our soul, we're, we're signaling to God that this is serious. This is serious. This just isn't casual. This is, this is a time to make things really, really serious and that's that's what this is about something uh, i want to read to you also is that um when we afflict ourselves we are purposely weakening ourselves why in the world would you want to do that because when we're strong we're, we're problems for ourselves. that's why now god resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble when, when we're strong, when we've got it going on our way, like the story I just read, the man who had it all and was just hitting on all eight, and he thought he didn't need anything, and God revealed to him that he has spiritual leprosy, that he's really trusting in his riches rather than God, and those, he didn't really qualify what happened in the values that changed in his family, but something was significant enough that he mentioned that. So you can imagine it could be that in their family dynamic, their identity and their security, even his identity, maybe as a husband, maybe as a father, was in what they had, not who he knew. And it could be the same with some of you or some of us. In the course of a year's time, because you know, soon, probably today, Costco's going to have all their gym equipment out for sale. Why is that? Because we get fat all year long. Okay, it starts off lean, and then it, and then it creeps back in there. Because the colder it gets, the more you want to eat and drink things. Okay, like Dutch Brothers, which is really sugar. They're selling sugar with a little coffee. 
Okay, that's what I think about them. And Starbucks just burns their coffee. Because, I mean, that's just my two cents there. That means nothing to the sermon. Uh, but when, you, when, we, when we take on a full year, think about what you've been through since this exact time last year. Show of hands, how many of you had significant drama in your life? How many of you did it hurt? How many of you do you keep thinking about it? Yeah, some of you lying. You ain't saying anything. You used to shy to raise your hand. How many of you picked up bad habits? How many of those habits are good for you? None. And, and we could go on. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't stop. We get into a frame of mind, a, a, a way of thinking, where we're, we're leading the path, not God. Now, we have God tagging along, because we always want Him to be with us, our way. But somewhere there's a switch. Well, when we say, enough, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm, I'm worn out, I need a change. This is serious. We don the sackcloth of the soul, And we afflict ourselves by abstaining from things that we turn to for comfort. Like what? Well, this America. Food and sweets. And entertainment. That's what we use. We got plenty of it. So, just, and I'm going to be talking about this again next week too, but for example, and and I only say this to you because I think it's important that for some of you that are new or still uncertain about this fasting thing, when I'm talking about afflicting my soul, how do I do it? This isn't to say, look what I'm doing, because JT doesn't have a trombone in his office, okay, that I can borrow to say, look at me, but I'm going to tell you my thing so you can understand what I mean as an example. Uh, I love coffee a lot. It helps me. But I think, and I always... I always tend to make it before I go to my prayer time, before I go, you know, read my Bible. It takes about 15 minutes to make it in the French press, right? There's no other way to drink it, okay? Drip well anyway. So, uh, and here's what happened. So, I didn't abstain from coffee last fast. I didn't feel led to. It was fine. But I think it's got a grip on me. I have been compelled for some time now to go straight to prayer when I get up but I'm in a habit gotta make the coffee because you can't pray unless you have coffee and it's like God saying this is this is getting out of hand so what I want you to do I want you to let that go for this year okay fine I'm not doing it because I I'm doing it out of obedience. It's something revealed to my life. As you, go, as you prepare to go into your fasting season, what's got a hold on you? Maybe you come in from work and you just want to veg and you turn on the show. Could be it. Maybe you have a particular hobby that you have that you turn to to release yourself. Maybe that's it. In other words, there's something getting in between you and God's time. First of all, Here's the thing. I don't think we have a right before a holy and mighty God to determine, Lord, I'll spend my quiet time with you then. 
I think he should decide. I really do. If he's God, I think he should decide. You say, you don't understand. That means I got to get up early. Why do you go there? Is that what he's saying? I mean, is that where you went? Or is the Lord saying, I know I need to be, he's kind of convincing me, convicting me that my last hour before bedtime, he wants me to spend in prayer. But I haven't been doing it because I like the show. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a combination of things. For me it is, personally. As far as food goes, by the way, whether it be uh, foodstuffs or entertainment, social media, all of those things, what has got your most attention? Those are things that for 21 days, God will likely say enough of. Get it done. No more for 21 days. Just me. We'll say, what do you do while you've been making that coffee? I'm on my face in my chair. (laughs) That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Early. Earlier. Why does it matter? Because he said so. I don't know why. But I'm doing it. Because obedience is what the Lord is after, remember? So what about diet then? Well, for some of you, you don't eat much food. So giving up food for you may not be a big deal. Really. Or certain kinds. If I was to say to you, the whole congregation is going to forego anything sweet for all 21 days. No, no candy, no gum, no sugar, no pop, no sweet coffee, no anything. Some of you would be like... <laughs> A lot of women would be like that. Oh, I said it. I've watched y'all. Y'all are like hummingbirds. It's true. It is true. But you ain't the only one. So... It could be that. 21 days. Maybe it's, you say, okay, I'm going to abstain from all sweets for 21 days. And then you're going to start having cravings. This is the affliction part. The flesh is going, remember? (laughs) It's 3 o'clock. This is the time we have our coffees. It's really not coffee, it's a milkshake. Okay? It's an adult milkshake. Whether you're a man or woman, you have your things. What is it going to be? Coffee, sweets, and no media. And, I mean, you could... What is God leading you to do? So that's why I want to... uh, That's why I want to read to you this. We humble ourselves when we afflict ourselves. Do you understand? To afflict ourselves is to intentionally humble ourselves. Now I want to read to you in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. Ezra, trying to do his part in resettling uh, Israel or Jerusalem. They're traveling, uh, headed back, and and here they are by uh, a river, I believe. I I can't remember. Yeah, right by a river. Ahava is the name of it. So in verse 21 through 23 of Ezra chapter 8, let's read this. We got some serious things here. 
they're in a, they're in a situation where they're, they're traveling through some very difficult territory. And they need God. And Ezra has told his king, God is on our side. What can men do to us, basically? We're going to believe him. But then his flesh is rising up and saying, we're afraid. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be fearful. So Ezra is going, he's at this river in verse 21. He says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. And then he says, here's why. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and wrath are against all those who forsake him. So, he says in verse 23, we fasted and entreated our God for this. And he answered our prayer. I wrote a note in my Bible a long time ago, pray and fast for specific reasons. It's not just open-ended. If you're here in this building today and you don't think you have any specific things to fast and pray, you've been checked out for a long time. Do you realize right now the United States is on the verge of burning down? It is. Okay? When you, when you have a system of government that is no longer recognizing its laws, where does that stop? So, it's serious and it affects every one of us. There's a lot to be praying for. When you have family members that unless God intervenes in their life, they're going to destroy themselves and go straight to hell, you have a lot to pray about. Or, let's just bring it in a little. If in your life, your sensitivity as a professing Christian is so weak that you can watch R-rated shows that show despicable images and not even be convicted you really need to be concerned. Because you can develop those kind of things over the course of a year. Pray for specific reasons. What is it God is saying? So, come up with some things here. First, verse 21, the purpose of their, their fast was first to humble themselves. As you see it, we proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before God. Well, if he's saying they're going to humble themselves, what is that assuming? That they were proud of themselves. How many of us are proud of ourselves? Oh, look at we, what we've done and all that. We can get, look, even the godliest of saints can fall into pride. Of some kind. I'm not condemning anybody here. I'm just saying. We got to stop. And do some housekeeping. Some maintenance. Next thing. We seek God's direction for our lives. And he adds our little ones. Okay I don't know if your kids are still little. Mine aren't little. But they are little still to me. 
And am I praying and doing my due diligence? Are they worth 21 days of my specific focus to pray for their spiritual lives, to pray for their walk with God, to pray for their closeness, to pray that they might encounter the very presence of God, that they may not be consumed or taken in or inebriated with the message of this lying world we live in? Yes, I think they are. I think they are. Is it, am I willing to to, to afflict my soul and humble myself enough to go to bat for them. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. My flesh can pound sand for all I care because of what I want for my kids and what I want for our church and what I want for our country. The other thing he, is, he says here, And I wrote this one. This is again in the bottom of the verse. But it's to avail ourselves solely on God's grace and keeping. Because notice what it says. The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him. We didn't want to ask for an escort because we had spoken to the king these things. So we fasted and entreated our God for this. God, we can't help ourselves. We don't know what's coming down that road. But it's completely outside of our control. But God, you're God. And we are going to throw ourselves in complete dependence upon you for keeping. We can do no other. Because the, the very thing the devil always wants me to do is to do what I do best. And that is fight. And that is rage. I'm a bull in a china closet by nature. I could break a steel bearing in a padded room. My dad's told me my whole life. I'm like that. I will find a way to make a dent. And that's exactly what I, if I'm not careful. It, I, it, this is me. I'm talking about like my proclivities. You got your own proclivities. What are you prone to do? You may be opposite. Your, your path may be just keep the peace. Don't. Don't ruffle the feathers. Just avoid the whole thing. And then it grows and it festers and it gets big and then it turns with its gaze upon you and smashes you. We can't do that either. We need God's help. We need God's wisdom. We need God's strength for these things. There's a book I've been reading that was given to me by a dear friend, The Power of Prayer and Fasting. Page 26, Ronnie Floyd writes, he's a very expressive writer. He writes this, to enter God's gateway to supernatural power, and he doesn't mean weird stuff, just means God taking over. You and I must model spiritual brokenness, humility, and repentance before the people of God and the world in which we live. Some things may be worse for breaking, but a heart is never at its best until it's broken by the things that break the heart of God. Oh, that's profound. Does your heart break for the things that break God's heart? Because it could be that in the course of a year, it's just not like it was at first. You've just grown rather callous to it. It's no longer offensive. Or, eh, We live in a hard day that's getting harder by the moment. 
And if we don't learn to walk with God and lean on His strength now, what are you going to do when it really is that bad? Well, we, we, we fast and we pray not only to afflict ourselves and to humble ourselves, but we also do it to separate unto God. Did you know the essence of holiness is separation? Yeah, holiness, hallowed. For example, this pulpit here, we have sanctified it, if you will. We've, we've, we've hallowed it in that this is where it is. And it's only used for this, for preaching or for some kind of exhortation to the church. We would not take this out and, and put it out on the road into the ground and put a sign up that says, free pop, come get a Pepsi. Here's where you can, here, and we'll line all the Pepsis up on. We wouldn't do that. That would be outside the scope of what it's used for. It's sanctified and set apart. This is, you have to come in here to see it. This is what it's used for. Such as, and this baptistry is the same way. This building is that too. Well, we are all these things in body because we are, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. You don't have the right to say anymore what you're going to do if you're in Christ. And if you have taken up that habit, that's why we fast and pray. So you can get back and say, God, I am so sorry that I got in the way. Please forgive me and get me right. Because we do that. You know why? You know why we do that? Because we're sinners and we sin. So Joel says something very interesting. Joel chapter 1. For those of you who don't have thumb tabbies, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Joel chapter 1. Very, very good verse here. In verse 14. Here's what uh, the prophet Joel says. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. The reason I bring that up is when he says consecrate yourself, that's to separate to God, you, your life, yourself. That's what you're doing there. That's what Joel is saying. We are in so much trouble, you guys. <laughs> God's wrath is about to drop down on us and it's so bad. But here's what we're going to do. Here's what we can do. Everyone's always saying, what can I do? Here's what we can do. We can consecrate a fast. We can do that. Do you realize that, right? It's like God's will. We can do that. We can call a sacred assembly. We can do that too. It's God's will to do that too. We can gather the elders and as many as will come into the house of the Lord and then we can cry out, God help us because we are butchering babies by the millions. We're decrying a, a virus that claims to be all this, but something's wrong because this has been over. And God, everyone's buying into it, and they're all looking for a, for a solution from the government, and the whole world's under the sway. And this just really seems right for somebody to say, I got the big idea. And Lord, somewhere in the middle of all this is the church, and we don't know what to do, and we're in really big trouble. 
Well, we can do that. That's what we can do. So we, we fast and we pray to separate ourselves to God. Now, Joel's not done. He also gives another very big indication of why we fast and pray in chapter 2, verses 12. Uh, in verse 12, and I'll read a little more. But he says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. I want to stop there and just address some things. When we fast, we're afflicting our souls on purpose. We are picking a fight with our flesh and saying, enough, be silent. We are looking at God and saying, speak to me and tell me where I've gotten off. We are separating ourselves away from all the things that distract us. All the things that pull us away. That includes your thoughts. How many of you are real bad? about having a bad thought life you know what i mean oh don't think it's always sexual stuff no 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 you know when you're arguing with somebody in your head when you're telling them how the cow eat the cabbage in your head when you're going back over an old hurt inside your mind and you're wishing you could do some all kinds of infliction and pain upon them. When you're dwelling on the fact of what you see going on around you and what you'd say if you were there. You know, all kinds of unholy, unseemly things go on in your thought life every day unabated. And the Bible says what? To take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And if you're not rising up to say, enough, then you're going to become what you think about. Well, that's what fasting and prayer does. It stops that. It breaks the cycle of madness. Joel goes on to say, rend your heart, not your garments. Because to the Jew, when they were under conviction or they were offended spiritually, they would rip their clothes. But it became just a way of being pious. Oh, offense, rip, look at me. You like that rip there? It's about that long. See, you have a tiny rip and I've got a big rip, which means that I am more afflicted than you. And God says, rend your heart. Return. Now notice there's the word, the operative word here. Return to the Lord your God. Return to the Lord your God. Now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but I would say, how many of you today know for a fact that you're farther away from God today than you have been ever before? For he is gracious and he is merciful and he is slow to anger and of great kindness and he relents from doing harm. Why wouldn't you fast and pray? Why wouldn't you? Real quick, turn to Isaiah 58 and I'll finish with this and a few other thoughts. Isaiah 
Ronnie Floyd writes, this will be the next great move of God. I want to be a part of it, don't you? God's, God's gateway, he, he's saying, is prayer and fasting. Coming humbly before God is God's gateway to spiritual power and spiritual breakthroughs. To st- the stage is set. Now, he wrote this back in 2016. So this is a little bit prescient. Pretty cool. The stage is set in America. Desperation is at an all-time high in our generation. Most churches are missing demonstrations of major spiritual power. Most Christ followers are lacking the manifested presence of God in and through their lives. God has our attention. A remnant of us must be desperate before Him. We must take action to pray and fast. When we do, we will ascend the holy hill before God. May God have mercy upon us and bring on the next great move of God. We have to be willing to be broken. We have to be willing to be afflicted. He also writes, to enter God's gateway to supernatural power, we must model spiritual brokenness, humility, and repentance. We must model these things. You, you can't do that by yourself. You can't even fake that. And please don't try because it'll just cause such a visceral response to us. St. Augustine had some good things. Here's what he said, and I'll end with this book. Do you wish to be great? Then begin, he says, by being. Do you desire to construct a vast and lofty fabric? Think first about the foundations of humility. The higher the structure is to be, the deeper must the foundation. It is no great accomplishment to be humble when the circumstances of life bring us to our knees, but... To choose a humble spirit when we are praised is a rare occurrence and impossible in our own strength. This is why we have no alternative but to walk through the gateway to supernatural power with heads, hearts, and knees bowed low in humility before God. I want to conclude with what Isaiah wrote. and and, and, uh, This is in Isaiah 58. This is what God has said. This is the fast that I have chosen. This is what it's for. First, number one, verse six, to loose the bonds of, what does it say? Wickedness. I can guarantee you every person in this room has wickedness in their life. The fasting and prayer is to loose that. Okay? Number two, to undo heavy burdens or those things which put you in under bonds, those things which weigh you down. You may be surprised to learn that in your fasting and prayer, you didn't realize how toxic some of the things that you've been eating or drinking have made you feel, and how bad it has harmed you. Which in fact, and the doctor people in here would know, are, we are a... A trichotomy. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. Okay? If my body hurts, it affects my mood, I've noticed. Especially if my back hurts. 
But I've also noticed something else. If I eat, for me, the wrong things, like pizza dough and those, it makes me sick, but it also makes me very cranky and very weak. And I'm not good to be around. I don't want to be that way, but what I'm eating affects me. My attitude goes south. It even causes somewhat of a depression when I eat those things. Sugar. I love it, but I hate it. Okay? Now, okay, that's my body. That's my body. But my mind affects me. If I I dwell on the negative all the time, I become negative. If I don't take every thought captive, they take me captive. It's exhausting emotionally to carry around that kind of garbage in your life on a daily basis when you rehash these things in your head over and over and over. And honestly, the only way to stop it is to fight it. And it's tiring. So it affects my body. Folks, some days I get so worked up with anxiety that to run on the treadmill is next to impossible because my heart rate's already way up here. So you know what the answer is to that one? Go to prayer. The cure to anxiety is time with God. And it's a built-in governor. That's what the Bible, that's what we're, we're all people. So the, we, we don't do this to be just religious. We have things we've taken on. It breaks those bonds. Now, what else does God say? We let the oppressed go free. There are people you haven't forgiven in your life. Oh, boy. I just want to tell you, if you get into this workbook, there are two chapters, and that's... And they're going to make you make a list of those you've wronged and those you know have wronged you, and then they're going to call for action. Quick story. My cousin... I got a cousin. He looks just like me. First cu- first cousin. We were estranged years ago. I don't know what happened. He just wouldn't talk to me anymore. And that hurts, you know? And it hurt for many years. When I went through this book, which was been about four, four years ago, he was on one of those pages for me. But I didn't know what to do because he had rebuffed every attempt. I got an email from him last week. It's been 16 years. He sent it to my church email, which means he was hunting for it. He's been listening to these messages because God's been dealing with him. And we are reconciled. But let me tell you why. There's a step of obedience that was taken in that. Yes, he reached out to me finally. I had tried. He reached out to me. I had to give it up. But there was a reason. Unbeknownst to me, my son had reached out to his son. He didn't tell me that part. But in my, as my cousin tells it, when you sent him a letter, right? Wes wrote a letter. Yeah. 
22 writing letters. And the kid actually got it. Well, here's what happened. Here's how God did that. Rich, we're going to go a little over. Uh, they were driving in the car as a family. His son, West is 20, 25. So he's three years older than West. He said, Dad, I got this letter from Weston Kelly today saying that we ought to get to, you know, get to know each other and talk more. That's weird, isn't it? Well, that did it. Because my cousin is a Christian. And he said, I have allowed this thing in me to come onto my family so that now my kids think it's weird to reconcile with their family. Then that's when he reached out. And he's scheduled to come out soon. What I'm saying is, we often give up too soon in prayer. But God broke the bonds of the affliction. God broke the bonds of those things. That's what happens when you fast and you pray. You break every yoke. We share when we're not focused on ourselves. As in verse 5, we bring our stuff to the poor. We we, we meet needs because it says in verse, uh, down there in verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring to your house the poor and you are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and that you hide yourself, you do not hide yourself from your own flesh? We, we meet needs because we, we, we're no longer bound up in ourselves. That's the purpose of fasting and prayer. And there's a promise that comes. Look at verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then. Now here's the then. And the then is here now because of this. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say here I am. Because quite honestly the reason that many of our prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. Is because we're praying from a double tongue. We're praying from sin-stained hearts that claim to know Jesus but live like hell all week long and we know what we're talking about. We look at things we ought not be looking at. We tolerate things we ought not to be hearing. We eat things we we ought... God is interested in what you put in your body, people. I'm telling you. I am convicted often. He wants control of everything you do total lordship so in the course of a year the reason we fast and pray is to get that junk fixed and it takes time what are you going to do then you say well after a message like that i guess i'll just do it well good for you because i'll tell you what obedience is better than sacrifice. God will meet you. God will meet you. I'm going to ask JT to come. Many of the things I've talked today about today have been to the Christian. Those of you who know Jesus, you can relate. You're like, yeah. But some of you may not know Jesus at all. Let me say this. The reason that some of you may live like the devil is because you are of his spawn. You don't know Jesus, and that's why you live like that. 
But there is a God of glory that is pursuing you. And He's given you His truth. That if you will repent of your sin, look up and gaze into heaven and say, Father, forgive me. Save me. I'm that that wicked person. I am bound by sin. He will save you. Cry out to Him. Begin there. Oh, and then you'll live. You'll really begin to live. And Christian, whether you're a magnet or a sponge, it doesn't matter what you are. Be healed. Be cleansed. Get before the one who picks it off flake by flake and says, this piece, this piece is your dear friend that you wronged 20 years ago. You forgot, but I remember. And as my image bearer, you got to make that right. You need to contact her or him. You aren't going any further until you deal with this flake right here. Okay, next flake. This is selfishness in your life. You always look out for you first. You know you do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to notice the world from my point of view rather than yours. Next flake. And he's going to incrementally go through each of those things in your life. That's what it's about. Afflicting the soul. As JT comes for a moment of singing, you come. For those of you who are being baptized, please go to your respective rooms. One here, one over here. And uh, we will have a baptism at the close of this. But don't be distracted by them moving to their places. Just what is God calling you to do? And if you commit to this, pay attention. Don't break it. If you stumble in a day, get back on and begin again. Because he's gracious and kind. Long-suffering. Whatever God is calling you to do, you do.